Welcome, everybody. I'm Don. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope City. It's great to see all of you inside. I know there's a few that are braving the elements outside. And those of you that are watching, like Chris said, we're really uh, pleased and happy that you're here. Hey, I just want to, we're getting to know each other a little bit. So I'm going to let you know just a little bit more about myself here in the beginning. Um, So this is my favorite season of the year. I love Christmas. It's a really fun time in my life. Uh, Growing up, it was just one of those things that was really special. Um, it was important to my, my parents and my, my siblings and I. My mom, um, my mom actually worked in a boutique that sold a lot of Christmas-type stuff. And I'm pretty sure that she never actually took a paycheck, but just actually got her paychecks in merchandise. Because <laughs> our house was just packed with Christmas stuff at the Christmas season. It was a really fun time for us. It's also the time that I met my wife, Nancy. Um, I was set up, well, we, I met her at a Christmas party, which I was the setup of, and, um, and in fact, tomorrow, yeah, the 5th, will be the 30th anniversary of when we met, and it was just one of those things, yeah, I know, I know, it's one of the great moments of my life, um, and then, we, you know, we met at the Christmas party, a couple weeks later, we uh, went on our first date, and then a year later, we got married. We got married the day after Christmas, so this 26th will be our 29th anniversary, which we're looking forward to. It's great. So, um, and so it's, it's really special in that way. It's also now, I don't know if there, any of parents out there can relate to this, I love Christmas because it's one of the few times where my kids are all back home. You know, they've spread out all over the country, um, and so my two daughters and my son will be home, and it's just one of those special, really cool times. But I also do know, as Chris mentioned, that it can be a very difficult time for people, too. That it can really be a difficult time because maybe your family wasn't that way, or maybe uh, the holidays bring up uh, memories and thoughts that aren't so great, or you've lost loved ones recently. Or like, like Becca said, this can be a really difficult time to really try to experience some type of peace. And, and today we're going to look at a really good, well-known, so well-known that I want to change it up a little bit, section of scripture of an, of an angel encounter um, in the Christmas story. And it has to do with Mary. And I just want to remind you that Mary is probably a teenager, late teenager, who's engaged to be married to um, a man named Joseph. So I'm going to invite uh, Rich, come on up and sh- there, come on up, Shine. So just to change this up a little bit, we are going to do a little bit of a reading of the scripture. And I just want you to hear this um, with uh, new ears and just hear it a little differently. So. I'm going to be the narrator. Uh, Rich here's an angel. <laughs> and Cheyenne, she's going to be Mary. So, um, so here we go. This is Luke 1. In the sixth month, uh, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said... Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are um, are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said, then the angel left her. Great, thank you. So, um, yeah. You know, I mean, the British accent just makes it sound so much more like an angel, I think. But, but I, I don't know, you know, for me, um, when I was reading this, and maybe that you realize that, that, that Mary says very little in this encounter. And that's probably just realistic, is that any time there is sort of this angel encounter with a human, that it's very, the angel has lots to say, and the humans have less. But Mary has her whole life to look forward to. She is a, like I said, probably a late teenager, maybe early 20s or something like that. She's engaged to be married to Joseph. And engagement back in, in this day in Israel and this culture was a little different. It was more of a binding contract that had been made between two families. Um, they would be called husband and wife, but they would live separately for about a year and then come together and have the actual wedding, and then they would actually be married at that point. And that's where we find Mary at this, and she has her whole life to look forward to. They're not going to be a rich family. She's going to be marrying Joseph, who's the town carpenter and all that, but they will grow up in this town where they know people. They will grow, have a growing family and be around extended family and friends, and, and this is what she has to look forward to. But this encounter with Gabriel changes everything. Her life was headed one way, and right now it is headed another way. And the first thing that the angel says to her is this. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now this phrase, first of all, I like that the angel is very polite, right? <laughs> Greetings. It's a nice way to start the conversation. It's good. But then, highly favored. Mary, you are highly favored. And, and what this means is this, is it means that you have been endowed with grace. That grace has been put on you is what this means. You see, Mary received God's grace, not because of anything special about who she was. Okay, this is going to be important. She's not sinless. She's not perfect. You see, God has chosen her not because she is highly favored. She is highly favored because God has chosen her. You see that? That she has now experienced God's grace in a really powerful way. Now, our... our uh, Catholic brothers and sisters have, have taken this and have, and have moved it to a place where they oftentimes have venerated or even worshipped Mary in such a way. It's a misunderstanding of what it means to be highly favored. Right? She's not highly favored because of who she is. She's highly favored because God has chosen her. That is who she is. 
And then this really beautiful, beautiful statement to start this off. He says, the Lord is with you. That's why you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That is so important, right? It's important in our lives. I was thinking back even this morning as I was going over this a little bit that when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and met with, with, the, with God and the people below were kind of going kind of crazy down there and, he said, and, and Moses says to him, look, if you are not going with us, don't send me back down there to lead those people. Only, this will only work if you are with me. And so for Mary, what a beautiful statement that the angel says, you, that God is with you. And she's um, greatly troubled at the angel's words, and, and the angel says what most angels say, right? Do not be afraid. And then he, listen, I don't know if, again, if you could hear what this angel says to this teenage girl. You are going to have a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the living God. He will take his throne, the throne of his father, David, and his kingdom will never end. To take all of that in of what is being said to her is unbelievable. And so Mary's response is, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And it's really important, and, and in our English translation, we can't really tell this so much, but in the Greek it's more, is that this is not a statement of disbelief. It's actually a statement of faith. Because what she is saying is, I believe that this will happen, but I just don't understand how. I just can't understand how this is going to happen. All that you've just said to me, that you've just kind of unloaded this on me, I, I believe it will happen, but I don't know how. And then the angel explains that the, what he says is that the power of the Most High will overshadow you is the word that is used there. And it's the same word that's used in the Old Testament that describes the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. That this presence of God this overshadows the temple. And so one commentator says that it's as if Mary's womb becomes the Holy of Holies for the Son of God. And that God's presence just overshadows her. And then he tells her that his, her uh, relative Elizabeth is pregnant. And again, they thought that she would not be able to have kids, but, but she is about to have a, a child down the road. And then this one incredible statement that is, again, a thread that has been through the Old Testament and New Testaments through all of God's interaction with humankind is this incredible statement, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary's heard some really amazing things in this statement. God is with you. This is what's going to happen. But nothing is impossible with God. You know, sometimes I wonder about that. I question that sometimes. I don't know about you. You know, there's a, a, a woman in our church who uh, 14 months ago, she went on to hospice 
And when I went to go visit her, the first couple times I went to visit her, what we talked about was planning her memorial service. This is what songs I want. This is what I want some people to say, that sort of stuff. Now, 14 months later, she's been taken off of hospice. And the doctor, who her doctor, who put her on hospice and took her off hospice said this. I don't believe in God, but I can't explain how you are getting better. And my friend says, well, I know. Because <laughs> nothing is impossible with God. Now, I know that that's hard sometimes, and all of us have had experiences where we have prayed for people, and we've, we've hoped and, and wished and wanted God to work, and we didn't see anything happen. But, but the truth is, and this is God's word, as we've talked about earlier, that nothing is impossible with God. Have you had a nothing is impossible with God moment in your life? We probably all have. For me, the merger of these two churches is a nothing is impossible without God. Nothing is impossible with him. So Mary's only response is to surrender to the will of God. And she says this beautiful statement, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I really like how Eugene Peterson puts this in the message. He says this, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. I understand it. I'm surrendering to your will. May it be just as you have said. So I want to talk a little bit about what it means that Mary is highly favored. And that being highly favored doesn't actually mean that life is easy. So the first thing that Mary has to do after this encounter with Gabriel is she has to go explain to Joseph what is happening. Have you ever thought about that conversation? So Joseph, um, how do I say this? Uh, I'm pregnant by God. Now, now, going into that conversation, the very best outcome would be that he would, he would call off the engagement quietly and let her go. The worst thing that could have happened is, according to the law, he would have the right to have her stoned at the gate in the city. So that's how this then starts. And then the, um, the humiliation and the scorn that she will experience as her pregnancy grows in that town And then the 100-mile journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem on a, supposedly on a donkey. It's not really safe, but that's what we imagine. But she's about eight months pregnant at that time and how that might have been. And, And then to get there, and there's no room at the end. I just imagine Mary saying, okay, Lord, you said that I'm highly favored. Could you not have at least had my husband make a reservation? And then the baby is born, and, and then about a month after he's born, they go to Jerusalem to the temple, and they offer the sacrifice of a poor couple at that time. And in the temple, they meet, they meet someone named Simeon. He's one of the great characters of the Christmas story we don't talk about. But he's been waiting for the Messiah. And when he sees Mary and Joseph walk in with Jesus, he goes right to them. 
And he actually grabs baby Jesus and he says these words. He says, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And then he looks right at Mary and says, and a sword will pierce your soul also. Is that what it means to be highly favored? Then a few days later, Joseph will wake you up and will say, Mary, we've got to go. Herod wants to kill Jesus, and so then they take off and they go down to Egypt and they live for years, a couple years, as refugees in another country. They'll come back. Later on, Jesus will start his ministry and around the age of 30, and he'll gather some disciples around him, and, and you watch this happen as, as his mother, and you hear what he's saying, and the crowds love it, but the religious leaders don't. And then you will be in Jerusalem when he is arrested and when he is tried, and you will be at the cross and watch your son die on a cross. And this is what it means to be highly favored. And yes, your soul has been pierced. But the final place we see Mary is in Acts chapter 1. And she's with the disciples in the upper room praying after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. Acts chapter 1 says this, They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. That after all that she's gone through, all of the heartache, all of the struggle, all of the stuff that's happened, she's there. She's still a part of it. She never gave up. And I believe that Mary had a couple characteristics as that young girl who, was, uh, who had that angel encounter that caused her to be able to live this way and caused her to actually experience peace in the midst of all the struggle. And, and there's a couple things here I just want us to look at. That right after the angel leaves her, she does go to visit her relative Elizabeth. And when she walks into the room, Elizabeth says that the baby inside her, John the Baptist, just kind of jumps for joy. And then she says this wild thing to her right at the end. She says, blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Blessed are you, Mary, because you believed what the angel said. That the angel said that he would be with you. That the angel said you would have a son. That the angel said that there's nothing that's impossible with God. And then Mary goes into what has been called the Magnificent. It's this beautiful song. It's a psalm that, that she talks about how she's feeling and what is going on in her and then she says this, she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. 
From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for him. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. You see, this young woman, Mary, had a strong faith. She believed that God could do what he was saying he would do. The same word in the New Testament that's used, that we often see translated faith is this Greek word called pistos, and it can mean belief, it can mean faith, and it means trust. And I have come to see that what faith really means is that I'm trusting in the character and the word of God, and that as a follower of Jesus, what I need to be doing is do everything I can to grow my faith. And as a pastor of this church, everything I have to do is to help you grow your faith so that you can trust in what God is doing, so you can trust in God's character and rely upon that. So she has strong faith, and then the second thing is this. She's humble. She's humble. She's shocked that she would be the one that would be chosen. She can't believe that she is the one that God has chosen to do this. Andrew Murray, who was an English pastor and teacher in South Africa for about 60 years, wrote a lot on humility. He actually wrote a book called Humility. And um, here's a couple quotes from it. Humility. The place of entire dependence on God is, from the very nature of things, the first duty and the highest virtue of a human being. In fact, it is the root of every virtue. It's where it starts. That I would be fully dependent upon God. That I'm fully dependent upon God for my next breath. That I'm fully dependent upon God for him to provide my daily bread. I'm fully dependent on God. And then one other quote, he defines humility this way. Humility is simply the sense of entire nothingness that comes when we see how truly God is all and in which we make way for God to be all. That God, you are everything. Humility is not thinking less of myself, but I think so much of God that I don't actually have to think of myself. And those are the qualities I think that helped Mary at this time. She was a woman of faith and she had incredible humility to say, yes, Lord, I will do what you've called me to do. So at this point in the sermon, you should be asking yourself, so what? What do I do with this? not a teenage mom that's going to give birth to the Messiah. <laughs> but here's what I want you to walk away with today. First and foremost, you are highly favored by God. It's not because of anything you've done. It's not because of your past or anything like that. But you are highly favored by God because of his grace. 
because of who he is. But just being highly favored by God does not mean that life is easy. But because he's with you, we can make it through the difficult times in life. And through faith and humility, you can experience the grace of God. In the Christmas season, we celebrate two things in Advent. That Jesus has come, but we anticipate that one day he will return. And what I want you to think about also, though, is are you anticipating that God is coming to you in this season right now? That he has something he wants to speak to you right now? And I don't know what that might be. It might have been something to do with a, a relationship in a family. It might have something to do with business. It might have something to do with a struggle you're in. It might, but that God wants to speak to you right now in this time. And what we need to take on what he wants to say to us is humility and faith. And I start... Every day of my life, well, not for the last couple of years, by stretching, because my body is getting unstretchable at times, I guess that's a word, and, and then I finish by doing this. I quote Galatians 2.20, where Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then I ask myself, Don, what does it mean for you to live this day with faith? And that might be my question for you today. What does it mean for you to live this day, this week, this month in faith? And we're gonna take communion here in a moment. When you take the cup, I want you to think through what, what does it mean for you to be crucified with Christ? He was crucified for us. What does it mean for us to be crucified with him? And where am I supposed to be showing faith and humility in my life these days? So let me just pray for us. So, Lord, take these words, as, as Chris spoke earlier, that, that we live by every word that comes from you. And so may you use this time to strengthen us, to cause us to, to trust you more, and show us, Lord, how you, want, how you want to use us, how you want to shape us, how you want to change us by your grace. And may we know, Lord, your favor in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.